Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. So guys, tonight I'm going to try and do... uh, a good combination between um, prickling your, your, your brain. Do you know that we not only worship God with our hearts, but also with all our minds and our intellect? Did you know it is important that you become more and more acquainted with the scriptures so that you can answer people with questions? With our brains, important, and then obviously with our heart. And, and I want to move between the two tonight. Um, I'm going to be dissecting Psalm 39, and in some instances, I'm just going to touch on your brain, and then I'm going to bring it back to, so what does it mean for you in your life? And so it's going to, it is not so much a teaching sermon as it is typically what what a devotional time of a quiet time would be like in the morning if you open your Bible. Uh, what, What are the thoughts that would typically flow over my mind as I would be reading and studying and responding to to this psalm. So I'm also giving you a little bit of an in and maybe how I would view this if this was right now in the morning. I'm waking up and I'm reading this psalm ready to, to worship God by not only reading but then also responding and obeying. Amen. So Father, thank you that tonight you have called us into this wonderful place. There's many people out there, Lord, that I, I know that tonight they have no one to, to phone or to engage with. And, and here we are, Lord. There's a whole community with open arms. And it's amazing that we have one another, but that we can also get at the soccer club. The important thing is that you are here, binding us together in Christ. There's no community like the church. Yes, she has a lot of mistakes, but there's no community that with its focus on God and obedience to the Spirit can become what we can become together with you and one another. So do a work in us tonight together. Amen. Right, let's do this. So we're going to read through Psalm 39 in one go, 13 verses. And then we're going to go back and we're going to divide the psalm up in three parts. Are you ready? Let's respond to God tonight. I said I will guard my ways. Now that's a good sermon on its own. People that think about how they should go about living. We can stop there if we want to. But let's carry on for tonight. Or I will not get paid if I stop (laughs) talking nonsense. (laughs) I said I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle. So long as the wicked are in my presence, I was mute 
and silent. I held my peace to no avail, and my distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me as I mused. The fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Verse 35. I just got 34 on there as well because it goes with that part as well. But just skip 34 to 5. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is at nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Not very encouraging at the moment. Amen. Let's hope it gets better. Selah. Stop. Think. Okay. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. Let's go on. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of the fool. Don't let them mock me, is what he's saying. I am mute. I do not open my mouth, for it is you who have done it. Done what? We'll get back to that. Remove your stroke from me. I am spent by the hostility of your hand. Your hand is against me, Lord. I feel you pressing me. When you discipline a man with rebukes for sin, you consume like a moth what is dear to him. Surely all mankind is a mere breath. Selah. Stop. Think. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears. For I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. Look away from me that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. Okay. Doesn't look like a very joyous psalm on the surface, amen? But... But some of the most significant conversations you will have in your life with your wife or with a parent or with your children, they're not always the ones that superficially looks like it's a party. But often there's these conversations that change your life forever. And this psalm is one of them. Okay, in the context of the Psalms, we take at this moment that David is quite an older man. We see in Psalm 38, uh, my bones aching, the sores on my body, they're smelling. Okay, so it's coming from a place of great distress, but also great wisdom. The man has been around the block. So let's, let's dissect and see what can we learn from a man that really walked with God today. So... Uh, I'm telling you what, Taylor Swift and Katy Perry may have many followers of Twitter, but this guy will teach you a lot more about life. Amen? So let's see. So I'm going to read that first part again, the first four verses, and then we're going to start dissecting it a bit. I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. Are we there? Yes. 
I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail and my distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me as I mused. The fire burned and then I spoke with my tongue. O oh Lord, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Okay. David starts and he says, I'm not going to speak. Okay. I'm not going to speak in the presence of the wicked. And it starts off quite wise because what we pick up from the previous Psalms is this man is going through a difficult time. And what he's saying is, let me guard my mouth so that I do not speak in a way that will dishonor God when I'm around people that still needs to meet him. But what comes out of me is that God is not good or I'm mad at him. So let me guard my mouth. Let's go just to that next slide, please, under. And we see the scripture echoing this thing of a tongue. We see in James it says, I'm going to jump in each of the three pieces. I'm going to jump lateral to other scriptures and come back. Okay, But no human being can tame the tongue. Okay, David knew it back in the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Though evil is sweet in his mouth, though he hides under the tongue. So we can see what David is trying to say. He's saying, I will close my mouth and make sure that this does not come out when I'm surrounded by the people. You know that feeling when you're so mad at someone and there's a conversation and it is the perfect moment to put that person under the bus and you just know, keep your mouth. Okay, this is what's happening here. But let, let's go on to the next slide, which shows us something about the tongue as well. It says, my mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Hmm. So the tongue can be the most dangerous member in your body to cause you to sin, but yet it is the very thing that must Praise God. Can you always close your mouth? Oh. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? How will they hear if you and I do this? And so what we see, if we can go just two slides back to Psalm, is that David... <laughs> was doing the following. So let's, let, let me explain the situation. A lot of you will know this. So you're mad at your husband. Okay, just girls, can you imagine that? Very easy, okay? Someone comes to you and say, but now you are mad, all right? And they say, did I just swallow a leaf? <laughs> I think so. That water is tasty and dangerous. Um, someone comes to you, back to the sermon. Um, when you and your husband, when you are in that situation, try not to respond negatively. Try to keep your words. Okay? That, that, that can be good advice at times, right? Just if you agree with me as a girl. So then what often happens is um, you go and there's this moment in your marriage and you're like, hmm. 
Van Nelk moet gaan sê, ek, gaan, ek moet nie praat nie, so ek sal nie met hom praat nie, nie vir twee dagen nie. Dis wat Daniel gesê het, sy is een leier in die kerk. And so you close your mouth, but you've also closed your heart. Can you see that? We do that. Jy het gesê, ek moet minder praat, ek gaan nie met jou praat nie. Die wat so gegaan, he. And this is exactly what's happening to David. He says, I will keep my tongue. He's hurting. He says, I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail, but my distress grew worse because there was something he had to do with his tongue. And that is to worship God. And so he was right to say, let my lips and my teeth guard my tongue in the presence of the wicked, but not to have still stapler. Okay, and so everything in him grows worse until he says, "Oh Lord, our job is to speak to God, to let the tongue move. How can we praise without moving this thing? How can we worship?" And so there's something we can learn here from David. And so what your husband needed in that moment is, yes, that you maybe give him an hour, keep your words, but then open your mouth and say, if I think about it and I can go back, I wish I have done it differently. There's your healing. To keep the mouth closed is not control over the tongue. It's knowing when to keep it and went to release life. Amen? So, who has had this experience? I've had this. In the morning, I'm up. I'm praying. I'm saying, God, I give you this day and give me a heart for people. I'm, I'm, well, I'm just making this up, okay? I'm pretending. So, Lord, I give you my tongue, my hands, whatever. Okay, now, you come to 10 o'clock in the morning and something comes out of your mouth and your spirit objects. Stop. Who's, feel, who's felt that? Because if the tongue in worship to God is moving in this direction through prayer, that's a good thing. Okay? We're drawing near to God. He's moving us. And suddenly the tongue pulls this way. You know it. And it's so important to start our day with praise and worship and send the tongue in the direction it should go. Because when we are in the presence of the wicked, the tongue knows the direction in which to go. Okay? So if we want to worship God and we, He stirs faith in us and the word comes out, I don't, have, I don't have power for this day. The Spirit objects. Why are you walking in fear when you were praising in faith? And so we need to know when to let the tongue work and worship. Make sense? Let's, let's, let's take it here from David. If a tongue prays in faith, the Spirit will alert you if the tongue starts to speak from fear. If the tongue prays and seeks for love, the Spirit will object when envy or hate comes out of the mouth. Keeping your mouth closed is not control. That's prison. That's not freedom. Amen.
the answer for misuse of the tongue is not no use. It's correct use. The answer for sexual sin in a marriage is not to be intimate, to stop it, right? That's not the answer. It's correct use. The answer for a lot of people out there misusing spiritual gifts is not that we stop using them at all, but is that we press on towards correct use. And the same is true for the tongue. So set the tongue in the right direction in the morning and it will go well with what comes out. Amen? Let's go on. Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths and my lifetime as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. And man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. And so the idea we have here is if you have a mirror over a kettle and it, 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 it fogs up and you take it away, it's only a few moments and it's gone. And, and that's the idea we get here of how short our lives really are. So let's just jump to Isaiah 40 verse 7 and see how other writers agrees with David. The grass withers and the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely people are grass. Just say for the Olang show, yes, grass. Yes, grass. James 4, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Question. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It looks, it, it looks like quite a depressing thought, right? What is David saying? It sounds like he's saying, am I worthless because I'm here for such a short time? Let's just go to the next slide and bring the balance in here. It's the same like with a tongue. So the, the bottom two scriptures is just addition to what we already read. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, so you're here for a short while, but yet he is rejoicing over you. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. God is singing over you. Praise the heavens, you're not the one singing. It is God. I'm just, I'm just joking. Some of you got that. Any guess. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If we go back to Psalms, it looks like David is saying, life is so useless. But it's actually not what he's saying. Listen to me here. If you are living for this world and you do not have God in the center, your life is short and insignificant. Okay? Anyone out there who does not know Jesus as Savior or who is not living for Him, your life 
is short and the same is true if that's true for me and meaningless. But, but, if God has gotten hold of your heart and if you are worshipping him, your life is still short, but it is significant. So teach me the number of my days. I know you are dancing and singing over me, but it's so short. And so if there's significance, let me be alert to live this sh short life, a handbreadth, to its full potential. That's what he's saying. If it is a mist, it's not insignificant as a mist. It's just short. And connecting it with the previous verses, the Bible is incredible. Check this out. Life is too short and meaningful for you to allow your tongue to ruin your life in front of the wicked. If we put the scriptures together. And life is too short and meaningful for you not to run to the next opportunity to allow your tongue to worship him. Because voluntarily you will only worship him for these through few handbreaths. And then it's over. So teach me the number of my days. What David is saying is if you have something in your heart for God, do it now. Don't wait. One day. No, not one day. Who knows whether you will be here. Amen? Now, let me, let me just bring another thing to your attention. Scripture, the Bible, wants us to speak about death. Your own death. It's not on there, but... Predicate Ecclesiastic says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. Okay, the believers know that they will die, but the unbelievers, they don't want to talk about it. And they have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. What scripture is saying is that for believers, it's okay to talk about their passing because they are passing through a door. For the unbeliever that does not have God, this life is all there is. So talking about death is talking about the day where you lose everything. It is the day when everything you work for collapses. It is the day when you will ultimately lose. So let me not talk about that now while I'm trying to win here. But not with us. You should be able, even if you're young, and I know it's a mature content this, even the matrix, the high school people, you should be able to say, one day I will die. So when I live, let me live in such a way that I can't wait to pass through that door on the other side. This is how long your life is. And in this short life, let the tongue lead in the right way. Amen? Let's go on. And now, O oh Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of the fool. I am mute. I do not open my mouth, for it is you who have done it. Remove your stroke from me. I am spent by the hostility of your hand. Let me just say this on this. Life is too short 
for you not to confess your sins. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Get it out quickly. You feel you've wronged God, get it out. You feel there's something that you could have done in a different way, get it out. It's too short. It's only a few hand breaths. It's only like steam. So it's too short to hold on and live a moment without being restored to God. Amen? And he says, I'm mute again because what he realized is that his transgressions, his sins, has placed the hand of God against him. So, so this, this sounds harsh, but it is true that when you as a believer sin, that the hand of God will press against you. And I'll show you now why. We don't like it. It seems like God is bad when he does it, but let me tell you what, it's the most loving thing he can do. When you are systematically getting into a place where you should not be, his hand will rest against you and you'll feel it when you wake up in the mornings and you'll know it when you lay your head down. Let's talk about that because that's very important. I'm not going to drop this and leave you there. When you discipline a man with rebukes for sin, you consume like a moth what is dear to him. Surely all mankind is a mere breath. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like my father. Okay. When you discipline a man with rebukes for sin, you consume like a moth what is dear to him. Right. Let's talk about this for a moment. The language being used here, chastisement, it's, it's a big word. Here is what that is when God chastises or disciplines us. It is giving discipline divorced from hate and anger. Okay? It is discipline that God gives, but the discipline, not like mine as a father often, the discipline is divorced, it has no anger, and it's got no vengeance in it. It is a pure discipline to help you. Read with me here. Have you forgotten the exhortation? We're going to Hebrews quickly. That addresses you as sons, okay? It's bisexual, so it's sons and daughters. My son or daughter, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. People that teaches you that God never disciplines is people that are lying to you, Okay? Nor be weary. Don't be, don't be cast down when you're being reproved for him. Be glad is what it's saying. For the, the Lord disciplined the one he loves. And chastises every son whom he receives. Or the one he does not receive. Does not have the discipline or chastisement. So be glad when you get it. It means you're a son or a daughter. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Unfortunately, many sons today. And if you had a dad that did not discipline you in the right way, you have a God who will. So there's a saving grace for you. Okay? If you are left without discipline... 
in which you've all participated, then you are illegitimate children and sons. Let me explain something to you. I get this wrong a lot of time, so I had to chastise my son over the weekend <laughs> because he smacked his sister with some other object. But you know what? It's through the chaos of the weekend, I, I actually heard the Holy Spirit speak to me as I, go, as I walked to his room because I said, go to your room. And he's like, he knows what's coming. And uh, I went to his room and I just heard God saying on this occasion, don't, you know, don't, don't smack him on, on his bum. Just model something different to him right now. And I went into the room and I said, you know, don't cry, but I want you to listen to me. So in that moment, he just escalated the tears because he thinks it's going to save him from, <laughs> from the love that is to come, you know. <laughs> so, so he's just getting louder and louder. And I'm like, okay. And, and I just, in that moment, God just gave me his heart. And, and, and I said, and I explained to him why it's not good for his bum to smash his sister on the head, okay? And, I, I, you know, Jesus gave you a little sister, and, and I was just working, but it was still disciplined because he had to stay in his room and he also remained there a while. But as I went in, my heart was really, I hope I can teach him something that he can take to school, that he can take into friendships. So, and, and, and I'm not saying I get it right a lot, please, I don't. Um, sometimes I just kick a toy and... Um, but, but, but in that moment, God helped me. And so, if, if, if there were five kids in, a, in, a, in the park playing, and they were all, I don't know, doing something naughty, and, and one of them is mine, okay, it is my responsibility to collect the one that is mine, right? And knowing what happened, and knowing where this type of thinking will take him further, I've got an opportunity to chastise him. I've got an opportunity to discipline, divorce from anger and love, if by the Spirit I can do it in that moment. But if the other four kids goes home, which one received the most love that day? Which one would you want to be if you're honest about it? And so as we are operating in this world, know this, if you are his son, he's coming to pick you up. And there will be times when there will be discipline. But better that than being left alone. Amen. So what David is saying is, He's saying, I am mute because you have done it. That's what he says. He goes quiet again. A lot of these things that happened to me, I realize it was you disciplining me. Thank you. I am a son. Mature thinking. Let's go there, okay? I'm not playing church, church here. Only jumping around and then there's only shallow faith. No. We're going in. Amen? We have to. So, uh, how would the world like if we, if we change the words of that, of that song? You know, um, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a son of God. What if we sing, I'm going to be disciplined because I'm a, song of, a son of God? It doesn't, it doesn't flow so nicely, but it's uh, very true. 
If I am a son, let your discipline come and remind me I'm not alone in the park, left to my own devices. It's the God we serve. And it's okay to be honest and say, this is hard. Listen to David. It feels hard, but rather I have this than being on my own. I'm finishing off with four things about this psalm. If you want to write it down. Life is short and significant. Therefore, let's not sin with our mouth by speaking sinfully. Okay? Number two, let's not sin with our mouth. Because life is so short, let's not sin with our mouth by not praising and praying. Okay? It's not that we should lock our tongue behind our teeth and lips and leave it there. No, 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 no. Some people back thought you should go into a cabin and not speak for a year. It will make you more holy. No, the praises of God must be sung. Okay? Number three, let's quickly repent and receive peace. My transgressions, Lord, please forgive me. Number four, let's embrace momentary discipline that lovingly grows us up for eternity when we walk through the door of a life that is not a few hand breaths, but a lot, okay? And so my last thought when it comes to, because uh, I know a lot of you are thinking, oh, no second mulakait. Because if God really loves me, and it means if he loves me a lot, I'm going to get a lot of discipline, then I'm in big trouble. Let me just put it in balance for you. And I'm finishing up with a scripture. It's been around church a lot the last while, and if the Spirit wants, it will remain. But surely he has borne your griefs. Remember that. Remember that. And carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But Jesus was pierced for your transgressions. I don't know if David 100% understood that. Jesus was crushed for my and your iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And so let me just say this. You will still get disciplined, okay? And you will still receive chastisement. But, very important, divorced from the wrath of God, which fell on Christ. Okay? And so now when he disciplines you, it's only for loving and pruning the price for sin is paid. He no longer looking for an opportunity to pour wrath on you. He poured it on Christ, but his hand is against you in shaping you to be like him because he loves you and he will not lift his hand if you are growing in another direction. He will prune you. But his wrath against sin that burned in his heart was placed on Christ. Scripture says that Christ was our propitiation, which means when, Christ, when God looks on Christ, he's happy with the judgment he gave. For those outside of God, 
unfortunately, they will have to still face that wrath because each one's sin must be paid for. It will either be Jesus who pays it and who paid it, or you will pay for it. But once in Christ, you will still be disciplined. Are you following me? But the wrath was poured out. In Christ is a safe place to be. <laughs> it's safer than a big house. And it's safer than the security money and friends can give. Like a big house cannot stop the, the wrath of God from falling. But the cross of Christ can. Amen. Let's stand up tonight. I think you get it.